Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. This is Danny and Dusty. Merangatang is going to be a thing. You're not coining anything new. With Danny Merang and Dusty, the fan man Hera. All throws and monkey sounds in there and call it good. The old like Danny Merang pie. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. The fan. Good afternoon and happy hump day. It is Wednesday, and fall fell pretty hard. I can see the sun poking out now, though. It's getting a little bit better out there. It's getting a little bit better. Uh, but it's very fally. It felt like a good fall day. I'm here for it. I love fall. Listen, hoodie weather, baby. I love it. I, I am I am pro hoodie all the time. Okay, we have got to settle the debate here because we have an office that is divided. Granted, uh, not too many people are in our office there's right now, but we have a office divided. Well, yeah, it's two and two. Yeah, no, I'm saying it's, there's, there's engineering. Weird. Engineering joy. Well, maybe if uh, old McGinley he chimes in on this, even though I don't know if I trust his opinion on this exact uh, poll that we're going to be taking, but we are divided at two apiece. You, my friend, had a pastrami Sammy delivered here today. I did. I I, I saw it. I saw it on the app, and it was like. I haven't uh, had one of these in a significantly long time. Which is a bull. I mean, it's a tough choice to do because you have to. If you're flying blind into a pastrami sandwich, mm-hmm. a good a pastrami sandy done well is unbelievable. It's a game changer. But you could go wrong real quick, and it's Get not good. Overcooked, dry, yeah. just blah. You had a Sammy delivered, and you dropped a what I believe is a very controversial statement when you said a sandwich tastes better when it's made by somebody else huh it does see ah man because i think food is always it always tastes better if you make it yourself now cleaning up is the part that probably i'm like no if somebody else if if somebody else cleans up i'd rather cook and have have it have the food taste better you say sammy made by somebody else always tastes better I think it's if I make it, it tastes better. Rust sided with you. I did. Um, do you have any? What, what is your reasoning for for that? Well, see, and this saying? doesn't this doesn't stretch across all food. I, I think it's true for the sandwiches, not necessarily okay. for cooking. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, okay. there are some things that I cook that are you know they're banging. But yeah, a sandwich typically tastes better when somebody else makes it. That was the least hip use of banging, banging right? I've ever it was, heard. It banging. was banging. Yes. It was banging. What's up, fellow kids? <laughs> Hello, teenagers. Yeah, okay. And we're talking same yep. ingredients, mm-hmm. same portion, same layout, yep. like everything that you would do. Hmm. I'd rather have a sandwich artist make it. Yeah, when you have someone, when someone else makes it, it's mm. better. Yeah. I... I 
I don't know. I'm just if I make a sandwich, I can make a hell of a sandwich. Listen, I, I can't. Uh, I would have the exact same ingredients Wait. at home, and I could go make it. And part of the reason why I will go somewhere mm. is to have that extra bit of flavor that comes with somebody else making it. It's just it, it gets punched home. <laughs> Other people's germs. Yeah, that's what I'm actually. After. Well, I think it may be because the sandwich is not hard to make. It's not hard to make. And I think that may be your reason. I think if we're digging a little deeper, that may be the reason why you guys think it's better if somebody else makes it is because it's not hard to make a sandwich. It's actually hard to screw up most sandwiches, pastrami excluded here. True. Okay. Because it is pretty simple. You have your bread. You have your mayo, mustard, if you will. You have your meats, your veggies, your cheeses. Got to get your ratios. Yeah. You just, you got to, you just, the, your, your spread, your everything. It just, yeah, when somebody else does it, man, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. I hit. I, we have text coming in, 1,000%, uh, barring a mistake, someone else's food always tastes better. And I, oh, I just don't like that, that, that threat of the mistake. I like to put it in my own hands. Listen, I want the game in my hands. Yeah, listen, I want, when it's crunch time, not hand that ball off. I want the ball in my hands. I'm putting up that shot, okay. right? I want the ball in my hands. I want to decide the outcome of this game, and that may be it for me. Um, but I, I see your, your point of view. I just think I, I make a damn good Sammy. Listen, I, I am a, uh, a sandwich connoisseur. Mm. Um, I, I am a sandwich man through and through. Yeah. I, I like to get weird with the ingredients. Like, I'll, I, listen, I, I am, oh, I, I've talked about this before. I hate shredded lettuce. You will never catch me using shredded lettuce on anything. Okay. So I go with some arugula, or I go with some spinach, or hell, I'll go a little bit of both. Arugula, a little too uh, uh, coarse. See, I like that. Me. I like that yeah. dry crunch. Yeah. I like that. See, I like all the stems and stuff in there. Oh, man. see, uh, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an arugula guy. But like I said, I'll, I'll make a nice, a really nice, fancy sandwich with some Italian meats or. Grill some stuff up. Like yeah. I, I, I will get down on a good sandwich. <laughs> it is not it, like, and I, and I cook regularly. Like I, I am the cook in our family. Yeah. It is not a I don't know how to do this situation or I don't make something good. There's just something about it when somebody else makes it. It's like oh, thank yeah. you. It's made with love. Look, I'm taking an L on this uh, on the fan text sign. You are hot and heavy. Ten eighty. Um, nobody makes food or, food better than myself. Someone else can do the dishes though. That one comes in on my mm. side. Um, all food tastes better when, <laughs> when it's made by somebody else. Um, we have the, it's always better when it's made by somebody else. We have this guy who I just, can I come over? Cause it sounds like you and I are on the same plane with, uh, the food that we eat. It says everything I cook is better than someone else's. My steaks, my smoked meats, my sandwiches included. I'll go over to that guy's house. Yeah, no, listen, I, I'll go to that guy's house and you can make it for me. Yeah. Uh, I, and it really depends on your sandwich talent. That's a de- that's a that's a decent text. Yep, that's a decent one because if have you ever had somebody that you just uh, whether it's like a roommate in the past or and you, watch you know them somebody make a sandwich and you, and no you, go, you just oh make them watch anything and you, you're like no I'm good I'll, I'll I'll make it myself like you just inept at cooking the uh, the Homer Simpson gif of. Adding cornflakes and milk to a bowl and it catches fire. I feel so bad for those people that if you just you cannot make anything for yourself and you just live in the microwave world. We were talking at, at, at a media day because they brought a little, a little breakfast spread out a little bit later in the day. Yeah. Like the idea, like if you went around to most like under thirty year olds right now, could they make breakfast? Like could they make a muffin? Could they make pancakes? Could they yeah. make French toast? I don't think they See, can. But this is, I think All you that's need is a, a bag of that crusty is mixed man. 
That's the age-old <laughs> tale. Krusty is very good too. Um, very good. If you put like a, you put a little bit more water in than you need in the Krusties, and you make the thinner pancakes, and they're yeah. really good. Um, but this is like the age-old thing of, like I remember parents and older people. I had coaches that would say that. Like when I was in college, you, they were saying that about people like, oh, you guys don't know how to do anything for yourselves anymore. Well, we were able to do it. I think it's just the get off my lawn crowd that is always the, oh, the people that are 30, they don't know how to do X, Y, and Z. I think there's, oh, yeah, there's, we all find there's, a there's way. Some, some reality to that, but like, I don't know a lot of people who can like openly cook. Do you know a lot of 30-year-olds, though? Yeah. You do? Yeah, no, I work with a bunch of them. All right. Well, I mean, I... I find that they're we we always want to cast out because we just think that they're just locked into technology. I'll 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 cover, return service right back over the net with everything that's on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest mm-hmm. recipe wise. We're gonna have a generation of people that can cook far better than we You'd did. You'd think, but you would think. But you know what? I think it's going to happen. I just think we need to open our eyes to the youngsters that are out there and their abilities think, to cook. I think you have way too much hope there. Well, why? Be just because you don't know anybody that can cook that's 30? No, just <laughs> the TikTok crowd, man. Why? Well, I mean, they try it. They go out there, and those are the things that they'll actually finally try is if they see somebody on social media do it. It's true. God that, forbid your parents tell you that, to do that, something. That's true. That's how we did get NyQuil chicken. <laughs> I'll tell you what, this texture here says something that really speaks to me. It says, all food should be made by somebody who does not care about my health. Amen. That is a fantastic <laughs> text. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, on the sandwich note uh, on Twitter, it says, I leave you with this. If it's a sandwich you made after a day at the beach, that's better. If it's a sandwich that someone else made at a restaurant, then that's better. The beach sandwich is an undefeated food item. The beach sandwich? hmm Dude, eating sandwiches on the beach suck. When you get a little bit, like, you get that uh, one grain you of just sand, get, and you yeah. cl- you crunch down. And you're just like, it's like eating kitty litter. Mm-hmm. It's like eating the, and it the, all takes one grain, the, one grain of sand. The Jello from it feels like you're eating the Jello mold from Christmas Vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's got God. the cat poop in it. <laughs> oh, it was cat food, but oh. you know. Uh, I thought it was kitty litter. Oh, uh, it was the kitty food. <laughs> oh, yeah, just, little meow mix in there. Just yeah. Disgusting. <laughs> you know, that's oh. one of those things, though, Russ. Everything that I uh, like thought of about that movie, you interpreted that as cat food. Yes. I thought it was cat poop. Like my whole life, I've always thought it was like it got mixed in with the kitty litter, <laughs> the Jello mold, <laughs> and we just interpreted that very differently. Yes, that we certainly it was cat did. Food versus cat poop and kitty litter in there. Oh, man. All right. I'm glad we could spark a lively conversation on the fan text line to start this at 503-250-1080. I tweeted it out, too. I will take my loss. Uh, Sandwiches, um, the majority of folks do believe they are better made by somebody else. Well, here's a good one, too. The most underrated sandwich is a tuna melt. I can get behind that, too. My roommate and I, Seahill, we used to have tuna melt bets. Um, And we had made our first tuna melt bet before we were actually roommates together in college. Mm. We were out at practice one day. It was really cold. It was like early November. And we looked at each other. I goes, I bet it snows. And he said, I bet you a tuna melt that it doesn't snow before Thanksgiving. So we had a tuna melt bet. Mm. 
and it did not snow before Thanksgiving. Ooh. Do you know when he cashed in his tuna melt bet? Like two years later? No. 2.30 in the morning <laughs> after we got home from the bars. We, mind you, we didn't live together. He came to my house and was like, tap, I want, tap, tap, and he goes, I want my tuna melt. And I was like, what? And he goes, I want my tuna melt. So I made him a tuna melt. Man, there you go. You're not, not, so, not pulling a swag? Not, not, not welting on bets? Tu- on bets? Tuna melt bets became, like, tuna melt bets are a thing because tuna melts are delicious and they are way underrated. Okay. See, I have to derail you here on the tuna because uh, I worked in a, uh, when I, I worked in military intelligence, so I worked at a SCIF. It's a secure compartmentalized information facility. Mm-hmm. So, like, think of every, like, spy movie you've ever seen, like, eye scan, thumb scan, yeah. pin pad. It's a box that has recirculated air. I had a captain who every single day ate two cans of tuna. You've told this story yeah. before. And I yeah. cannot stand the smell of tuna ever again. Yeah. It's just, it is up there I with just I, every single day stale tuna being cir- re- recirculated yeah. through the room. Just the worst. Yeah. Uh, Nemec just replied to the tweet. Mm. He's already sandwiches. He says, it's actually scientifically tested and proven. Your senses are tied together somewhat, so when you make your own sandwich and smell the ingredients, you get slightly used to the experience. When someone else makes it, the first bite hits your senses for the first time all at once. Oh, so he's going very visceral here on this. Yeah. Don't don't nerd response <laughs> my tweet, Nemec. <laughs> ah, all right. All right. Science! Yep. And somebody's just, saying the French dip is severely underrated. I don't know. I think the French dip is very properly rated. Everybody loves a French dip. Yeah, okay, I was going to say, if you're about to say anything bad about a French oh, dip, no. I, got I, would, nothing. I would Kool-Aid my ass through this wall right here <laughs> and shank you with my Sharpie in my hand. Oh, right no, now. French dip is like a top three. They are fantastic. Yeah. Okay, we, we were clarification. No, 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 no. Not on the beach, after the beach. With like a bag of Doritos, and the Doritos find mm-hmm. its way into the sandwich. Which, to Ooh. be fair, I Ooh. literally just sun-chipped yeah. my, my pastrami sandwich. Yeah, yeah my so, wife always goes with the potato chips in the sandwich. They, they didn't have the salt and vinegar. I was kind of All right. Here's another one. Well, maybe we need to just make a. I think we need to make a list of sandwich rankings. Tops, un, no, most undervalued sandwiches, most Ooh. underrated sandwiches, because the tuna melt has got to be up there. I yeah, mean, I, I will bury that thing in the sand. Uh, I do. I kind of side with the texture that the French dip is underrated. I see, but everybody loves a French dip. They do, but, but this is why it's it. underrated. This is why it's underrated. Have you ever been like, you know what? I'm going to go out and get a French dip today. Well, if That's go, what makes it underrated. If I'm out at a restaurant and I see a French dip on that menu, or, well, I'll put it this way. If there's a French dip or a Cuban, that's a tough choice. But yeah, see, that's the thing is, I will I'll, always get a French dip. I'll always deviate towards the Cuban on the, uh, on the old menu. Mm. And we'll make French dips at home. Okay. Yeah. French is another one like pastrami where you've got to get it right. If it's, if it's, if it's dry, man, it's, just, it's no good. Mm. Yeah. All right. We got... Eight different conversations happening on the fan text line, and you're welcome to all of them. Who knew that sandwich talk could could go in so many different ways to start this show? I think this is one of our heaviest text volumes in quite some time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, look, in this texture that just came in, this is the longest segment about sandwiches I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it is. And I just ate and mine, and it. I'm hungry again. Yeah, no, Guess I, what? This show's at noon, so it's a lunch show. Yeah, I literally <laughs> just housed a pastrami sandwich. <laughs> you did house it. You ate that thing oh my so God, fast. Dude. Well, I mean, we were running out of time. All right, my last thing on um, sandwiches, because Tool Truck Guy came in with a very disgusting Nebraska uh, Sandy, where he said, Rocky Mountain Oyster Sandwich with Miracle Whip. Ooh. We, oh. Miracle Whip oh or Mayo? God. Miracle Whip or Mayo? Take everything else that he said oh. in disregard. Miracle Whip or Mayo? I don't mind. I don't. We don't often buy Miracle Whip, but I went through a, a a very staunch Miracle Whip phase. I have no issue with Miracle Whip. I am I am pretty much anti both. Mm. My my go to for the old Sammy is mustard or uh, oil and vinegar. If we're talking about like adding, like adding some moisture. See, but if sandwich, you don't have like a mayo whip. or even a Miracle Whip on there, that thing can still just get dry. No, you have mustard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, you, but you can't go too much mustard. Then exactly. You're, then you're messing with your flavors. No, you're okay. No, I hard disagree on that. Um, yeah, otherwise, you're just basically raw dogging that thing. Nobody say a word. That is a very clean drop. <laughs> that was very clean. All right, we got a lot of show that we need to get to today. Um, obviously, more sandwich, sand, talk. sandwich talk will be a part of the show. Obviously, I got a drop to work on. <laughs> Yes, you do. We've got a lot of fun with audio, though, today. Uh, everything from uh, super-duper big plays to Mike McDaniel. Uh, we need to get to the coach of the Miami Dolphins because he had an all-timer today. And so we will talk about he and his Miami Dolphins. But where we got to start this bad boy off, uh, will last week linger? Finding out a little bit more about the chops of Dan Lanning and a trend could be developing from OSU under Jonathan Smith. This is Danny and Dusty on The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We enter week five of the college football season. Uh, we got some interesting games here for the Ducks and the Beavers Bowl. Uh, both of them coming off of down to the wire finishes uh, in their week four opponents. For the Ducks, it's uh, how do you kind of regroup and refocus after a thrilling game where you're riding an emotional high? You come back and you have a flawless two minutes and 48 seconds to pull out an improbable victory against Washington State, um, 44-41. Meanwhile, for Oregon State, you play one of the best defensive games you could possibly imagine, and you still um, end up with the 17-14 loss to uh, or USC. rather. And both of them got big games coming up against physical opponents. Mm-hmm. For the Beavs, you got to go down to, to Utah, and for the Ducks, You've got to fight a hangover and have Stanford, a physical team, coming into Hudson. 
Yeah, you take a look at the first match between Oregon State and Utah, and I think you're if you're Oregon State, we talked about this coming into this season. Man, if they find a way to go three and zero and steal either a game at USC or Utah, they are setting themselves up for a tremendous year. Beyond a good year, a tremendous year. If you can get one of those, go four and one in your first five. That's still on the table. They showed that they can hang defensively better than anybody anticipated, I think. Because I think that most people expect that game to not go 17-14, but to be closer to like 42-35. The USC's defense was going to you know, bend, break, something mm-hmm. along those lines. But USC's offense would be overpowering, and it went completely the other way. They're showing that they can hang in a ugly slugfest game, and going into Utah, Utah is is not as much as I love Cam Rising. He's not Caleb Williams. If they bring pressure, if they get those opportunities. As good as Cam is, he's not going to Houdini out of everything like Caleb Williams did. He's a tremendous athlete, but you saw what makes Caleb Williams special. So I think there's there if you're Oregon State, even though you're you're emotionally maybe spent, I think you you've got a game plan for what could and should work against Utah. It is just so hard to go and play a 60-minute physical game and be so into that and lose in heartbreaking fashion and then get back on the horse and now not only just go down and play a physical team in Utah, but go on the road and do it in Salt Lake City. That is going to be the toughest test that the Beavs have is you got to take this on the road now. You have to erase everything that happened mm-hmm. uh, last Saturday in Corvallis, and you have to move forward with, all right, it's going to be an 11 a.m. kick in Salt Lake. You're going to get punched in the mouth. It'll be a contrasting style. Couldn't be further 100%. from what USC does. And you are going to have to go back into a 60-minute prize fight and – hopefully don't take one on the chops. I will say one thing is that we can look at Jonathan Smith teams. And in the past last year, if what we learned anything from last year, we could see a trend with this Oregon state Beavers team, because last year after they lost that uh, 31, 24 game to Washington state, Mm -hmm. they had to go and they take on Utah. Now this one was at home and not on the road, but they beat Utah forty-two to thirty-four the very next week after that was where I think Oregon State marched down and uh, they were like inside the fifteen-yard line going in against Washington State and I, I think Chance only got sacked and kind of screwed up the whole drive but you lose by one score uh, at Washington State so they had a heartbreaking loss there and then they go back and they beat Utah. They've got to get off the mat mentality with with Jonathan Smith. Also, the c- game at Colorado. Remember when Everett Hayes hit a 60-yarder, they force overtime. Mm-hmm. They lose in double overtime to Colorado before. Well, the very next week, they go and they mop the floor with Stanford 35-14. to Okay, So if you're a Beavs fan, you're saying, yeah, these tight losses, they suck. But Jonathan Smith, at least last year, that group didn't have a hangover the next week, which is very common across college football. And that's, that's signs of, of a program that gets it. Mm-hmm. And that's, I keep going back to this when we had Jonathan Smith at Media Day and just talking to him and talking to Angie Machado and talking to people around the program. There was the, there was real like everybody. I mean, we had Media Day for the Blazers on Monday. There's always the everybody's doing great, everybody feels good, everybody's optimistic. Best shape of my Best career. Shape, yeah. But there was something intrinsic in the way Oregon State was being talked about from people who are around the program that was different than just platitudes. 
And so I want to give Oregon State the benefit of the doubt because I saw what they did against USC. Mm-hmm. I saw how they're built, and I know that they have shortcomings, and I know they're not built perfectly, but the culture, the, the, the drive, the framework of the, of the program right now is it's not just good. It's trending towards great. And that's what allows you to have that 9-10 win season when they, when they do pop up, is that you do have those things you can fall back on. Like, nobody's looking at Jonathan. It's been funny. Listen to people talk about uh, the, the game plan that Oregon State called against USC. You're mad about a game plan that had you in a game that, if not for four interceptions, you maybe walk away from this. No, you know? yeah. Like, it, the game plan wasn't the problem. The execution was the problem. So Absolutely. You, so you know the culture, the foundation, the structure, the coaching, everything that's building towards this is something. And you've got, you showed last year. And if you look back, was it Smith took the job in 2016 or 17? Uh, 17. 17. And if you look back each year, there's been a notch in the belt every year that shows the program growing better, better better, more reliable, mm-hmm. things you can call back to, things that you can fall back on over and over and over again. And that's when I, I look at it and I go... 18. 18. So you, you look at it and you go, every single time that they're presented with these opportunities, they seem to get it done. And now, I don't think they're... I, I, they're certainly not favored to beat be Utah. Utah's favored by 11 right now, which I thought that was kind of insane. Um, but you look at where they are. If they came out of Rice Eccles and they had a win... I would not be shocked. Utah's damn good. They are. They are fantastic. Utah is damn good. But I'm, I am not saying that as a as a uh, slight to Utah. Mm-hmm. I'm saying that as a like lifting Oregon State up. Like if they came out of there, and it was again a one possession game, I wouldn't be surprised. Doing it without you know Luke Musgrave is going to be a completely different one. And I think there is that little bit of that hangover that Vegas is anticipating too. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about it this way: it's ten and a half. Right now, so I mean that is you get a field goal at home. They're saying they're a touchdown better. I think that's about right. Yep. You know, and, I, I think and Utah's going to be right. without Keithy too. Yeah, but as I pointed out yesterday, they, they don't also have a have problem with that. They have <laughs> two more that are really damn good, um, including Dalton Kincaid, which Duck fans know all about. Dalton Kincaid. Um, let's talk about the Ducks though, because they've got a different challenge, and I think this is going to be another signal of the chops of Dan Lanning, because Lanning. We may learn a lot about Dan Lanning and mm-hmm. in, in how he gets his team back up after having one of those emotional wins where you we see a lot of teams have that hangover from a win like that. Danny Dusty on the fan. You're just basically raw dog in that this is Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and Portland's sports leader, 1080, The Fan. All right, we talked about the Beavs uh, getting up off the mat after a heartbreaker to USC. I think the big challenge for Dan Lanning and his staff this week is keep riding the high of a emotional win against Washington State. Keep that engine going, man. I mean, it was that game was a roller coaster for Oregon, and like I, I said this in the post game show, and we talked about it on Monday. That's a game Oregon has lost so many times uh, previously under 
so many different coaching staffs, you know, against a Washington State is that one of those schools that just gives Oregon problems, right? They give Oregon problems year in and year out, and they found a way to win that. Now the challenge is how do you keep that up against a Stanford team that we're finding out has now lost their leading rusher Mm -hmm. for the rest of the year and EJ Smith. They're banged up, a little bit beleaguered, but this is a team that beat Oregon just a year ago with a lot of issues as well. And that's the thing is, uh, how does Dan Lanning keep that, really that second half mojo going? Because the team that played in the first half was not the team that closed that game out in any way, shape, matter, or form. They were really not even halfway through the third quarter. It was a different team. Well, I thought coming out of the half, they were a different team. I mean, a three-play drive to start the second half and you punch it in and you're just like, all right, this team isn't going to go away quietly. And they kind of just like, I mean, they built on it. They built. They played to a stalemate because Washington State was playing damn good yeah. football. But then that two minutes and forty eight seconds was incredible. It was. And how much can you bottle that up and keep that going? You you don't need to be that perfect. You don't need to score no. twenty one and two forty eight and all that. But what you do need to do is not shoot yourself in the foot twenty seven times. Yeah. Because my goodness, they they were Elmer fudding it the whole first half. Yes. And I just it was. Seeing how Dan Lanning reacts to that, number one, uh, seeing how Dan Lanning reacted directly to DJ Johnson kind of gave me a clue to how he was reacting to it. Uh, not happy. No. Uh, makes me believe that Dan Lanning will have things dialed in and ready to go when it comes to Stanford. But that's the thing that I'm looking for is this is the first like adversity yeah. moment outside of Georgia that they have faced. Where do they tighten things up at? Where do they get better at? And I think, Penalties, emotions, those kind of things coming off a, a, a big high and what could be a letdown game against Stanford, that is a different kind of task, and it's a new one for him, and it's the first time he'll face it. These last three weeks, the coaching chops of Dan Lanning have been been tested, right? Mm-hmm. After you get your butt kicked by your mentor and the best team in college football, mm-hmm. Georgia, how do you respond as a team, right? And a lot of the coaching questions that he has had to face – He's hit him, hit him square on, man. I mean, think of this. They go out and they respond to getting beat by Georgia by absolutely blowing the doors off and embarrassing Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. Then you have a, okay, well, now they're finally going to play somebody. How are they going to answer BYU, right? And they get BYU coming into town, and whether or not they were the actual 12th-ranked team in the country, um, we can decide that another day. But Oregon came out prepared, they came out ready, and they jumped on them early, right? Then you take it on the road and you see, all right, now can they take it on a road against a team that's going to play you tough and is also unbeaten? Washington State's a good football team. Yes. And they find a way to win, and they're resilient in that win. They were, I mean, think about the resilience that they had, and he just kind of seemed calm and like it never really seemed like he was in over his head in that game. And all of the questions about Kenny Dillingham entering this this season, right? Everybody knew that, you know, Dan Lanning was a great defensive coach and he was a good linebackers coach and Tosh Lapoy is a fantastic recruiter. And when he was at Alabama, did a very good job with their defense there. But offensively, nobody knew what Kenny Dillingham would do because he's never been a primary play caller. And how would that look? Georgia held Oregon to three points in week one. Oregon has the 25th best scoring offense in all of college football with a three spot. 
mm-hmm. on their resume. You bump that up to a 27-point <laughs> average now, probably. And- 70, uh. a 70 spot the following week definitely helps that. But mm-hmm. they then they put up 41 against BYU, 44 against Washington State. The offense has answered a lot of questions, and if they can keep it rolling and roll off the momentum that they got in that fourth quarter, boy, I think that Duck fans are going to be very happy with where not just this offense is or this defense, but where they're at with their young head coach and Dan Lanning that is his resume going to be complete by no way, shape, or form, but a lot of those questions that that Duck fans and concerns they're starting to get answered, and it's not all bad so far, no. except for Georgia. And, and, and the thing is, as much as Georgia was bad, and it was bad, it was as bad as it gets, you are not the same team in week one as you are week four, week five, week six, week 12. And I think we're starting to see that. And if you want to kind of see a little bit, it's not an apples to oranges comparison, but we watched Kent State put up 22 on Georgia. And were they overlooking Kent State? Probably. But also... Are things moving along in the season where defenses aren't so far along, offenses a little more advanced? And when you're talking about with Oregon specifically, where you've got a quarterback in a new system-ish mm-hmm. with a new coordinator, with a new head coach, the new team getting familiar with new targets, with a new offensive line. And Knicks has looked better week in and week out. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not against Georgia. No. But getting <laughs> better is Georgia. No, but getting better is part of this. And I think you're a fool if you're looking at this right now and you don't think Oregon is a better team today than they were week one against they Georgia. They absolutely are, and uh, they're playing good football. They're playing really good football, as evident by what happened at the end of that game against Washington State. Now can you keep that momentum rolling uh, against a Stanford team that you should take care of business with, and that'll be an interesting one because this has always been a team that has been a thorn in the side of the Oregon Ducks as well. Just like Washington State, Stanford has had – that uh, their best games seem to come when they're playing the Oregon Ducks. All right, uh, let's talk about, we go from the Ducks to, the Ducks' former coach is having a tough time uh, after his loss this past weekend. And the coach that beat him, Rick Stockstill of Middle Tennessee State. Talking a whole heap of ass. He's taken a lot of victory laps, and his victory laps continued uh, yesterday. Danny and Dusty on the fan. Danny and Dusty on the Odyssey app and 1080, The Fan. Middle Tennessee State, the Blue Raiders knocked off number 25, well, then number 25, Miami, 30 or 45-31 down in Miami, and Boo Birds were raining down. Miami benched their quarterback. And it was a great win for Middle Tennessee State, who improved a 3-1 and one on the season. Their only loss was to James Madison, which is undefeated on the season. Undefeated. In their first year of playing FBS football. And they beat App State, didn't they? Yeah, James Madison beat App State. James Madison, watch out for the Dukes. As, is that what they are, the Dukes? Yes, they are. They are the Dukes of James Madison, yeah. They just beat, yeah, they beat App State uh, 32-28. So James Madison, former FCS program, has won 44-7 over Middle Tennessee. They beat Norfolk State 63-7 and then go to Boone, North Carolina and win 32-28. Wow. Watch out for them Dukes. But Middle Tennessee State's coach Rick Stockstill 
is uh, taking a lot of victory laps. Um, and right after the game, I mean, he came right out and he was he was happy to admit his team kicked Miami's butt. Fantastic win! Extremely proud, happy for our players. Uh, it's always fun to do stuff that nobody thinks you can do. And uh, coming down here, twenty six point dogs, and uh, kicking their butt like we did because it was a butt kicking. There was no fluke to this. And um, just really proud of our team, the toughness that we played with. We were the tougher team here tonight. Now that is a direct shot at Mario Cristobal team, right? When you when oh. you when you say we were the tougher team tonight, that was a direct shot across the bow. Yeah, I mean he's he knows what he's doing there. There's there's not a doubt about it. Now beating Miami may mean a little bit more to Rick Stockstill because of his background. Uh, in that background being an All-American quarterback at Miami's rival, Florida State. Coach, being a Florida State guy, does that make it any sweeter? Does this have nothing to do with MTSU beating Miami? No, nah, nah, I'm, all, I'm all middle Tennessee, but I can promise you my phone's blowed up with text and whatever. Blowed up. Florida State pals. I had a couple of my former teammates here tonight, you know, watching the game and, you know, a bunch of my former teammates and all that uh, – text me before the game good luck and kick their tail and all that kind of stuff and uh so i know i know tallahassee um you know i know they're pretty excited about you know the mighty blue raiders kicking these hurricanes tail because we kicked their tail and i ain't afraid to say it <laughs> i love it the singular line though is, is the money one they average well, 1.6 well, no, yards no 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 stop ah ah because he continued his oh, victory lap on Monday yeah. where he kept on going. He kept going with his victory lap. That was all from Saturday. Yeah. Then he has his radio show. Actually, it was yesterday. It was Tuesday. He does his radio show with a local uh, program in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 104.5 The Zone. There it is. Oh, that's in Nashville. So he got out to the big boys, which Murfreesboro isn't that that's far not, from Nashville. Far, no. uh, and... He continued his S-talking all the way in Nashville. Two goal line stands, we stopped them down there. They ran for 194 yards against Texas A&M, the number whatever team in the country Mm -hmm. they were. They ran for 68 against us. They averaged 1.6 yards per carry. They gave us 1.5 million, but they got 1.6 yards <laughs> per carry. But, you know, just, I don't know where that came from. Hey, 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 I'll tell you where it came from, Coach. It came from your soul. What are you talking about? It came from your soul, Coach. I, I don't know who the guy is on there, but he's awesome. Listen, we, we got to talk about. Talk about. 1.6 yards per carry. They paid us 1.5 million. Roof. I tell you what, man. That is awesome. Schools paying money to get their butts handed to them this year has been a fun thing to watch. It, it, they're getting a lot of money is being doled yes. out for butt kickings. Hey. App State got their money to go to Texas A&M. North Dakota State came down and almost took their, you know, their pelt. Like, listen, man, you got to be careful with these FCS schools and yep. these these small schools that, like, they're not. They're not the ones. If you're going to do this, you do it with like Louisiana Tech or Chattanooga. You don't you don't go after the, these FCS schools even though they have less scholarships. Well, they, because they get top they get top end talent. Well, Middle Tennessee is an F, they're FBS. Well, they play Conference USA just in, just in general though. But I don't like at least they're not going on the road. Like the dumb thing that the Pac-12 does is they go and play Mountain West schools on the <laughs> oh, road. Like what are you doing? They double down on the stupidity. Stop. 
You did, give them money and you go to them and give them the gate. You never should do a home and home with any of these schools, but here they are. They continue to do it. And that I love the fact that stock stills and all this is leading up to Middle Tennessee is going to lose to Texas San Antonio this weekend. Hundred percent. Like you can't take this many victory laps and stomp on this many graves. <laughs> but I think it's okay. I think they'll trade that off. And to be fair, UTSA has turned into a pretty good program pretty quick. Well, and uh, nobody will remember that they lost to Texas San Antonio. Nope. All everybody's going to remember is that they beat Miami. In Miami. Those kids. And then they, the, he went on this little rant, and they're going to get some recruits out of it. Yep. Those kids, 25 years from now, they'll, they'll be telling everybody, yeah, no, we went down to Miami and beat Miami. Held the 1.6 yards carry, gave us $1.5 One of their offensive linemen tweeted out basically the same thing. On, I think it was on Sunday. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I started seeing that game a bunch of traction. You know what? I love that he just gave the, ah, I don't know where that came from. No, it came from your old lineman the yeah. other day. Like, you guys have been talking about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You guys have definitely been talking about that, and every other sport at Middle Tennessee State should be thanking Rick Stockstill because what their AD did all funded now. was say, said, we will go down and have our team get beat for $1.5 million. So volleyball and men's basketball mm-hmm. and women's basketball and baseball and track and field. So all of you guys can have a season and you can have some scholarships to go off that $1.5 million. Ding, ding. And he won. And he said, love you know what? It. We're going to go and do it anyways. Hmm. We're going to take come out of there with the W. I love it. Uh, Rick Stockstill, become, quickly becoming one of my favorites. And he's been at Middle Tennessee for a long time. He became the head coach there in 2006. Oh, he's been there a long time. Yeah. Talking about a long time. That is a – he's coming up on, you know, he what, 16 years, 16th yeah. season at Middle Tennessee. That's a, my goodness. That's one of the longest in your head coaches in the country. Yep. Because Whittingham's like fourth, I think, or something like that, and he's at 18 years. Yeah, well, Whittingham, yeah, because I think um, Kirk Ferentz is number one. Yep. He's at 20. And he's at like 21 two? or 22 yeah. years. And, yeah, it's a drop off goes really quick. Yeah. Like those lists used to be a lot longer of guys in double digits. It, I mean, it's, no. no. I mean, getting to 10 now is huge. Yeah. Getting yeah. to 20 is unheard of. Yeah. Uh, that'll be interesting to see, like, the longest tenured college football coaches entering 2022 because it used to be – I wonder how many guys are even at 10 anymore. It's, got, it's a short list. Because you've got uh, uh, Ken Niamatololo was hired in 2007 at Navy, Nick mm-hmm. Saban 2007. Uh, you have Troy Calhoun, Air Force 2006, Pat the, Fitzgerald the and Rick Stockstill. Uh, Fitzgerald's at Northwestern, uh, Stockstill at Middle Tennessee uh, – is was at 2006, Mike Gundy 2005, um, and then you have Whittingham 2004, and Kirk Ferentz 1998. Yeah, I so mean that's so, so literally Stockdale is one of the longest tenure head coaches in all of football. Jeez, yeah, that's nuts. Pretty nuts. Huh. Well, he got that win, and that's a guy who he's been waiting for that win for a long time. So you, you can tell he, he's, he's basking in it. He's got, he says the Florida state part of it doesn't matter, but it does. Oh, a um, I don't want to derail too much here. Yeah. Speaking of Florida, I just saw this come across. You know how we have, uh, the hurricane footage that pops up every year and everybody talks about a, a shark loose down the street. Yeah. There's actual footage from hurricane Ian. There's actually a no BS full on shark in the streets of Fort Myers right now. Uh, it's swimming in water. It's nightmare fuel. Yeah, so if you guys aren't aware, uh, Hurricane Ian has hit landfall in Florida, and it is nuts. Paging right. Ian Zeering. 
Ian Ziering for Hurricane Ian? Ian. Well, no, for Sharknado. I know, Sharknado. I know where but, you're yeah. going there, but how how serendipitous is it that it is Hurricane Ian, so we can even call it? Very nice. Are you, are you, are you, have you, how many Sharknados have you watched? Uh, two. I Jeff? think I'm four deep. Wow. I got halfway through like two of them. I thought I was like... I watched two. I, not that I like actively like hated it. It was just was like, all right, I'm I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I saw Mark Cuban as president, and I said, all right, I'm out. <laughs> Little did we know that that would not be not far <laughs> off a joke in a few years. All right, uh, our number one is in the books. We go down to our number two, and where we start is uh, what to make of the mess in the West right now. Danny and Dusty on the fan. They traded for his soul. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network.